Good evening, everybody. Great to be out once again for VBS uh, this evening. Again, if you'd like to move closer to Brother uh, Nikki this evening, we have all these seats available, and um, you're most welcome uh, and most encouraged to come on up and and uh, give Nikki some company, and we'll get him hooked up here. All of us know and love uh, Brother Nikki and his family. He is, uh, he's, a, he's a special friend to our brotherhood and special friend to this congregation. And we're so thankful he's here. We'll get him hooked up. Okay. Probably all here heavy breathing more than anything else. <laughs> uh, it's good to be here. Uh, always love uh, to come to Midway. I've had a little trouble with my leg uh, and trying to take care of that. I didn't know for sure if I was going to make it. So uh, usually I'm jumping around, hollering, carrying on and all that. Now, I won't be a lot of that today, uh, tonight, but I'm so glad to see y'all. I, I don't know. I, I'm assuming that all of your adult teachers are teaching on service servants and so I may everything I say may be duplication of what uh, what you've already heard but I, I want us to look and to see some things about being a servant and I hope these will help us out you know in our society today one thing we don't like to hear and that is that I have to be in submission now you think about that for just a little bit uh, with with our nation and our world I'm not going to do what you say I need to do. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And someone has said, and rightly so, I believe, all sin is selfishness. It's all about me. It's all about me being the master and me deciding what I'm going to do in life and uh, not letting anybody, or especially God, uh, have that part in my life. So I'm just going to basically read a few uh, verses as we go along and just make a few comments. It won't be one of my most uh, exciting lessons I don't get. But the next time I come, it will, if there is a next time, okay? <laughs> All right. You know, this, this deal about uh, being a servant and, uh, and following a master has been going on uh, since the beginning of time. As God created the heavens and earth and put man and woman uh, in the Garden of Eden and... and uh, <laughs> had one stipulation, you cannot partake of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, you know, we say this a lot of times. Husbands and wives will say this to each other. You had one job to do, and you messed that one up. You know, they had one thing that they had to think about, and that was you can have all the run of the garden and everything, but you can't partake of this. You think that'd give us problems? I was working one time in Florence, uh, at a meat packing place, and, and uh, you know, I had I had to think about Adam and Eve. I, uh, there was a little there was a little plaque on the on the room on the wall, and it said on that plaque it said, "In case of fire, lift this up." Y'all can probably finish that story as good as I can, because guess what? I couldn't stand it. I went over there 
And excuse my language, but I went over there and lifted it up. And it said, in case of fire, stupid. <laughs> now, we get on and we think about, you know, Adam and Eve, and especially Eve partaking of that. But, you know, we do some of the same things as well. Uh, something that I want you to notice about this, though, and like I said, I may have a little uh, troubles spreading out here and doing some things. But back in Genesis chapter 2 especially, everything was going pretty good. And everything was all about the Lord God and the Lord God did this and the Lord God did that. And everything, and every time they were addressing him, this is in the King James Version. You look and see when you get home from when you have time. In that second, especially the second chapter, part of the third chapter, you will see that every reference there to God for the, for the most part, 99% is Lord God. He made it to do this. He made it there. Here comes the devil. And look what he said. Here's what he said. Did God tell you not to do this? And for a few verses, very few verses, Lord God is referred to as God. And that may be a petty thing. Uh, you know, and I may be putting too much in this, uh, you know, that may not be there, but if I could just get those people to get the Lord out of God, leave the Lord out, and just focus on Him as a nice being, but He is not going to be my master, and I'm not going to be His servant. That's what happened in the Garden of Eden. The fact that they wanted to be like God. They didn't want to be a servant. They wanted to be a master. And in Deuteronomy, chapter 15, verse 16 primarily, maybe 17. We're talking about being a servant here. We sing these songs, you know, camps and different things, devotional songs, make me a servant. Lord, make me like you. We sing songs like, Pierce my ear, O Lord. I want to refer to this for you just a second. Uh, it's found in Deuteronomy chapter 15. And also very similar uh, passages are found in Exodus chapter 21. But in Deuteronomy 15, verse 16, verse 17. And it shall be if he say unto thee, I will not go away because he loved thee in thine house because he is well with thee. Then shalt thou take an awl and thrust it through his ear unto the door, and he shall be thy servant forever. Now I'm not one that pushes <laughs> ear piercings and things. As you got those, that's fine. But I'm telling you what, it was important in those days if you wanted to be a servant and you've been with this master a long time, and this master is taking care of you. And it's time, those Hebrews had the different laws about jubilees and different things, and seven-year-old, it's time for you to go. I don't want to go. I love my master. My master, oh, think about this now, what we're trying to relate to. That servant loved his master enough. He would have his ear bored. But then all. And that meant he would be that master's servant forever. Now think about this in the spiritual realm. Are we doing that in a spiritual realm? 
Are we letting someone spiritually pierce our ear? And are we saying to the world, hey, basically, that's what we should be saying as we come forward in baptism. I want to be baptized. I want to serve God. I believe that Jesus Christ is God's son. I want to be a servant. And that's what we say when we do that. So we're making that proclamation in a sense. I'm going to be your servant forever. And I hope you thank me those terms. Uh, it's a very freeing up thing, I think, rather than being in bondage. I don't know why it is that we think that we're better than everybody else and we know more than everybody else. And we would fight people if they said, you know, they don't believe in God and everything. But then we put ourselves ahead of them. So I hope you'll think about that. In Matthew chapter 20, Matthew chapter 20, verses 20 through 28. This has been going on and it comes on over into the New Testament. You think about this. Begin in verse 20. Then came to him the mother of Zebedee's children with her sons, worshiping him and desiring a certain thing of him. And he said unto her, What wilt thou? She saith unto him, Grant that these my two sons may sit the one on thy right hand and the other on thy left in thy kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, You know not what you ask. Are you able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of? And to be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? They say unto him, We're able. And that baptism I don't believe is talking about a water baptism. I may be wrong. And he said unto them, Ye shall drink indeed of my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with, but to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared of my Father. And when the ten heard it, the other apostles, they were moved with indignation against the two brethren. But Jesus called them unto him, and he said, listen to this now, you know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. But it shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great, will be great among you. Let him be your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of God came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and give his life a ransom for many. Oh, you think about that. I don't have any doubts in my mind that probably the mother of Zebedee, oh, and by the way, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, you know what that means? What that word means? Zebedee means thunder. Here are these sons of thunder. I can just see them. They must have had a lot of strength and, you know, a lot of swag when they came in, you know. We want to be at his, in one occasion it says the mother, other occasion it says them. What Jesus did, pulled the rug out from under he said, if you want to be great, and I believe this with all of my heart, if you want to be great, you be a servant. Listen, if you put your name at the top of the list every day, you got nowhere to go but down. You're going to be disappointed all that day. You're going to fret. I think about Mordecai and Haman. I think Haman had those people bowing down before me, everybody there except for Mordecai. And guess what he thought about? He thought about Mordecai not bowing down to him. It's something that was very important, apparently, for people, and still is today, for people to be the master and not to have someone uh, telling them 
or showing them what to do. And so it's been a problem. Jesus uh, told those people, you know, Jesus, the perfect example, he did not come uh, to be waited on. He came to minister. And once we understand that concept, we got too many chiefs and not enough Indians. And if you put your name at the bottom of the list, you're going to have a good day because the only way you can go is up. And he illustrates this. And if you are been to a marriage feast, you know, and you go down, you know, you sit down <laughs> here on the front. Yep, here I am. <laughs> and uh, you walk down there, you know, kind of strut down there, I guess. And I picture this anyway, strut down there. And, uh, you know, and uh, you're sitting there just, you know, like, I hope all those folks saw me, baby. And then the next thing you know, someone taps you on the shoulder. And I, this is President. And, and sir, I'm sorry, but your, your, your seat's with Bob Euchre. <laughs> that may not mean anything to a lot of you. Hey, let's go back, let's go back here. So now, now I got to turn around and I got to see Jeff Jacobs when I walk out. He looked at me, he said, it's, just, it's so embarrassing to me, Jeff. You know, I thought I was really uh, amazing. And I thought I was really one that should be at the very front. But no, um, I have to face all those people. Jerry, my good friend Jerry, I got to face all those people. And, and it's very humiliating. I'm going to have a bad day that day. Okay? So let's think about always being humbled in our lives. In Ephesians chapter 6, Verses 5 and 6. Ephesians chapter 6, that's when we were worshiping at Austinville. Uh, when my children would ask me when they'd have Bible reading, they'd ask me, Dad, what should I read today? I'd say Ephesians chapter 6. Now, I'm not going to talk about what they read, but it says, Children, obey your parents and the Lord, <laughs> for this is right. But it doesn't stop there. And I want you to look. I want you to look. Here's what it says in verses 5 and 6. Now, it's not going to do us any good if we just get a lot of information. And I just mentioned some of it. Unless we can practical, practically use that in our life. If we can't put that into use in our life, this is, no, this is no good. Just having a lesson. But I want you to think about this as we read it. Servants. Now, you may be a boss somewhere. That's fine. But I can almost assure you a servant somewhere as well. Servants be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh. <coughs> with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart as unto Christ. Not with our service as men pleasers. But as the servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. John chapter 3. Or excuse me John chapter 13. I guess this would be probably the center of the lesson and what this lesson to me is pretty much all about. Listen as I read John chapter uh, 13, the first 16 verses. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own, which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And supper being ended, the devil uh, having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, <coughs> excuse me, Simon's son, 
uh, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he was come from God and went to God, listen, he riseth from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel, and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter said unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, If what I do, thou knowest not now, but shalt know hereafter, but thou shalt know hereafter. Peter said unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, this is Peter now, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, He that is washed, Neither is not saved to wash his feet, but is clean every whit. And ye are clean, but not all. For he knew who should betray him, therefore said he, ye are not all clean. Soon after he had washed their feet and had taken his garments and was set down again, he said unto them, Know ye what I've done to you? You call me Master and Lord. And ye say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord, and master have washed your feet you also ought to wash one another's feet for I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you verily verily I say unto you the servant is not greater than his Lord neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him Jesus is at this feast one of the things that was there in this particular time, they provided all the people there to take care of this supper and what have you. And one of the things that was provided most of the time was a servant. A servant to wash those people. Now, realizing now how the situation was back then, how dirty some of those things. I call that, uh, what do you call it? Uh, when you first start a job, zero entry level or you know what I'm talking about. Story, story was told one time, and I've told it a lot of times. I don't know if it's true, but it sure makes a lot of sense. <coughs> used to be a Barney's sausage. Y'all remember that, Decatur? Barney's pork house or something. <clears throat> they would hire it every once in a while. and <clears throat> It was told, and I don't know this, it was told when somebody went in there uh, <clears throat> to fill out an application, they would give him, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> what do you call that thing? I can't even remember. To knock down the grass. <clears throat> sling blade. <clears throat> I'm sorry, y'all. I know this is kidding. <clears throat> I'll clear it out in a minute. I'm fine. I think I'll be all right. <clears throat> okay, here you come. Sorry about that. Sling blade. Yeah. Go out there, take the sling blade, and clear out that ditch. Well, you know the first thought that they had. <laughs> Thank you. Y'all, I apologize. I'm, I'm sorry. <clears throat> the first thought they had was, <clears throat> what part of the job description is this? And probably the second thing is, I don't have to do that. <clears throat> I didn't come to clean out ditches. I claimed to cut up pigs, I guess. But by the determination of how that potential employee felt about doing that. 
was the criteria that they went on to whether to hire that person or not. <clears throat> Jesus is there at that supper. Got any volunteers? No, it doesn't say that. It doesn't say, <clears throat> I've waited here and waited and waited. Hey, guy, what's the matter with you? Why didn't you, <clears throat> why didn't you furnish that servant? And this is the low servant. This, I guess, is where you start out. You're the foot-washing servant. <clears throat> Jesus picked up his towel and started washing their feet. And, and there's another whole lesson, a whole sermon in John chapter 13 about <clears throat> something just a little bit different. What was his message? I'm God. I'm God's son. You call me master and lord. Hey, you got it right. And I'm here washing your feet. Can you not think of a greater example of service than that? You know, we, we think about emblems. And I know, you know, when we're members of the church, and rightfully so, we think about them as if I have to ask you, <clears throat> tell me some of the emblems, you know, that we're familiar. Oh, we have the Lord's Supper. We have the loaf up here. That's an emblem of the body of Jesus. <clears throat> we have the fruit of the vine. That's an emblem of his blood. Very seldom <clears throat> will you hear someone say that one of our emblems is a towel? Because that towel represents service. Now listen, I can take a towel. I can make a famous thing like the Pittsburgh Steelers with a towel. I can take that towel <clears throat> dry off and start again. Or, like so many of us, I can throw in the towel. You got so many people starting off good. And after a while, uh, after a while, I, I can't help it, I think about it. I, Jerry and I used to listen to, listen on radio to boxing all the time. When old, uh, who was Sugar Ray Leonard? And who was uh, the guy that, uh, no moss, who was that? Y'all, man, I'm getting old. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I like it. Well, threw the towel in. You know, and I can understand getting beat like he did. Uh, you know, they, they asked George Foreman one time, why'd you name all your kids George? He said, you let Muhammad Ali hit you in the head a hundred times. See how many names you can come up with. <laughs> But you think about those things. You think about those things. We need to be a servant. We don't need to throw the towel in. <clears throat> we need to keep fighting and keep following Jesus' example <clears throat> in service to him. Philippians chapter 2, I think, seals it off. You know, <clears throat> there's probably a lot of things you want to see in heaven, a lot of questions you want to ask when you get to heaven. Uh, do you ever want to see what Jesus looked like? We've got pictures of Jesus, you know, that what somebody thinks. 
<clears throat> to make this a little short story here, but the same <clears throat> person that painted Jesus painted the same guy years later that, to portray Judas. That to show how man can fall. He was crying, the guy that he was painting. He said, why are you crying? He said, 10 years ago, whatever. You picked me out to pose for the picture of Jesus. Now, 10 years later, you picked the same guy out for Jesus. You can fall. You can fall. Some of my favorite verses in Philippians, Philippians chapter 2, think about it. I don't know what Jesus looked like. You know, we've all got that same picture, though. We've seen so many of them now. I don't know what he looks like. Wonder why God didn't tell us? Because if he did, I'd be spending all morning <clears throat> trying to comb this white hair and make it look like Jesus. I, I have the same kind of beard. And by the way, that sounds far-fetched, but if I understand correctly, when those people were following rabbis back in Bible time, they wanted to do everything and look like those people. It's not about you look. What did God say when he's trying to get a king uh, to replace uh, Saul? Oh, there he is. Look out to all of you. Man looks on the outward appearance. God looks on the heart. I don't care what Jesus looked like. Now, that might sound a little risk rough. That's not important. I don't want to look like Jesus physically, but I want to look just like him spiritually. And emotionally. Here's what it says. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ who thought it not robbery to be equal with God. He was equal with God but made, of himself, made himself of no reputation. He was already God. He made of himself no reputation and took upon him the form of a man or took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion of man, he humbled himself and became obedient even to the death of the cross. Revelation chapter 2, verse 10, talks about one of the churches there in Asia. And he says something, and I'm not going to quote this just exactly right, but, you know, you're going to have tribulation for 10 years. Be thou faithful unto death, and I'll give you a crown of life. A lot of questions have been asked about that 10 years or 10 days or whatever. Some have used day-year theory. I don't have a problem with it. I don't know what it means. I don't know what the 10 years or 10 days mean. But I can tell you even this, and I heard someone say this, and it stuck with me all the time. You may have tribulation for 10 years or 10 days. Compared to eternity, whatever that time was, is insignificant. It could very well represent your whole life. Now, when the writer, when John wrote, be thou faithful unto death, he didn't say, like we try to live, and I try to live this, you know, I'm on, I want to be faithful until I die. Just let me be faithful. And there, there's nothing wrong with being faithful until you, until you die. But how many of us, and I'm asking myself this question, how many of us would be faithful unto death when you know that your life it's going to be based on whether you believe in King Caesar or King Jesus. 
I want to be faithful until I die, but I, I'm not going to be faithful until, uh, to death. Those people were. Those people were obedient and a servant of Jesus Christ. All those people were talking about, well, the, the apostles are going to uh, steal him away. You know, are you kidding me? Even if that was the case, even if that was the case, if they came and got his body, and by the way, did you notice where he was? He started out in Judea and went out in Galilee. Can you imagine dragging a body that long and nobody's seeing it? But that's not the important. Can you imagine giving your life for something that you knew was a lie? I'm not going to do it. And I hope you'll think about those things. You let this mind be in you. And, and as I didn't put this down here, but you know, you know, came, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. I can't even tell you, can't even imagine what that was. But him, Jesus, God hath exalted and given him a name above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess. Hey, you can have all the pride you want to. You can be the boss if you want to. But there will come a day when your tongue will confess and your knee will bow to Jesus. Romans 6, verse 16 through 18. And I probably will paraphrase some of this. I will maybe not quote this exactly right. But, you know, we study Romans 6 all the time. I bet you have mentioned those verses in the last week or two. They, they claim I mention those all the time. You know. Romans 6, you know, what shall we continue in sin the grace may abound? And he talks about, no, you know, that so many of us. Talks about baptism, how you get into the church, you know, how you get into the church, and all the very important things. But in verses, uh, in verse 16 through 18, it kind of gets down to the crux of the whole matter when you're talking about servants. Know you not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey? His servants ye are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto, right, unto Christ. And verse 18 mentions being servants of righteousness. I know David probably does a lot of them. I do a lot. do a lot of funerals. And it's getting to where I probably do more funerals with people I don't know. Or I do a lot of funerals with people that I might know. <laughs> and that's not a good thing. Because according to the Bible, I have no idea. And I'm not trying to be a judgmental. But according to what the Bible says, I have no idea that they're going to go to heaven. And again, I'm not trying to be judgmental. But they've done it. And, and sometimes I ask myself, what do you have to do to go to hell? Because every funeral you go to, those people are glory bound. I don't care what they've done. Y'all know I'm telling the truth. And, and I, sometimes I said, I don't know what to say. I've had people come and, and uh, a family, and I said, well, can y'all give me a little bit of information? The only information they had was that daddy was a town drunk. And I'm supposed to build a lesson on daddy was a the town drunk. In fact, I, I have, uh, I think that was the one or some of them. I was trying my best to find something positive to say to the family. You can tell if you've been around me and listened to very many funerals. Uh, I don't try to be judgmental, but, you know, I said, oh, I said, no, no. I said, you folks out there, you know, it's family and everything, you know, in the next few days, we're just going to be smiling and thinking about all the good times that you had with your daddy. 
as soon as I finished that sermon, and as soon as the funeral was over, somebody marched right up to me and said, you didn't know him, did you? I said, no, I didn't. <laughs> no, I didn't. But here's something that you can say. If you're looking for something to say at a funeral, you can say this with 100% confidence. This person has gone to be with his master. Now let that soak in. Romans chapter 6. Let me see how much time I got before I start spouting. Oh, I got 10 minutes. Romans chapter 6, verses uh, 16 through 18, whatever I, I mentioned it, boils this all down. You know, I love Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13. Let us hear the conclusion of, all, of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his command. It's the whole duty of man. He took all the water out of the soup. Here's basically what Paul is saying in Romans chapter 6. Whoever you're serving, this makes perfect sense to me. You don't have to be a, a brainiac to feel it. Whoever you're serving, that's your master. Don't think you're going to serve the devil all of your life and then all of a sudden you're glory bound. Now you're going to be with your master, all right. The choice in life are this. Is it going to be Jesus and not even the devil, or something else. That's the choice we need to make. Who are we going to serve? Yes, it's, <coughs> it's important to put Lord in the context in Eden. It's important that Jesus is not just Jesus, the Son of God. He is our Lord and Master. We need to be obedient to it. Isn't it ironic that just about all, maybe all of them, I don't know, it may be, there may be some, but most of uh, Paul's writing starts off with Paul, a servant, a servant of Jesus Christ. I like that. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. He realized it. This guy, Paul, was one that was massacring or bringing those Christians to be persecuted and killed. And he realized, I can't obey that anymore. I have to turn my beliefs over to the Lord. James chapter 4 verse 17 says, Only yourselves in the sight of the Lord, he shall lift you up. Again, going back to Philippians chapter 2. In due time, God raised up Jesus. Okay. In due time, he's going to raise us up. If we'll humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord. Genesis chapter 33, as we bring this uh, more to a close here. Uh, you know the story of Jacob and Esau, how Jacob had supplanted his brother twice. Had he taken his birthright and had taken his, had taken his blessing. And he finally just said, my father's grieving over his losses. When he gets through grieving, I'm going to kill my brother. Esau says I'm going to kill my brother Jacob. He supplanted him twice. He had, I cannot justify what Jacob did. I know the scripture said, uh, Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated, but I don't think that's necessarily confined to that one thing there. But, uh, but anyway, think about that. I'm going to kill you when I find you. Then he runs off, his mother tells him, run off, go to my brother, and stays there a while, and then the text goes on, reads a little bit. 
Next thing you know, Jacob's fighting and wrestling with, that, with the angel, wrestling with the Lord. And I can relate to, <laughs> I can relate to Jacob tonight. The angel messed up his leg. And he was having to, I, I just imagine anyway, you know, and they talked about what, what all that meant. And I, you know, children of Israel wouldn't eat of the sinew or whatever of that, you know. And so <clears throat> here's Jacob. I imagine in his mind for all these years, he had this in the back of his mind. You know what? I know all this stuff's going on. I got plenty to do, but somewhere, sometime, my brother, next time I see him, he's going to kill me. Next thing you know, and then he has that ordeal with the angel. He's hot. Hey, Jacob was a smooth man. Esau was outdoorsy. I just have in my mind that Esau was a good bit stronger than Jacob. I don't know that. But I tell you what, when I meet my brother, when I meet my brother Esau, I better bring my A game. Okay? I better bring my A game. He's more of a warrior than I am. And you know how he put all those uh, the least favored, that bothers me, you have to say, least favored family members, you know what I mean? The time of reconciliation or the time of the meeting, here comes Esau. And all Jacob can do is drag a leg. Never so often, it says that Jacob bowed down the knee to his brother. And when he met him, let's see what verse it is. I didn't write it down. He called him Lord. I said you ought to bring your A game. He did. Paul had a thorn in the flesh, whatever it was. I besought the Lord three times. Take it away from him. The best thing God said, no. But he added a little bit to it. He said, my grace is sufficient for thee. Paul said, more, therefore I will glory in my weaknesses. Because he realized that in the weakest part of his life, God will take over. If we're a servant of God. The end of Luke chapter 16 one of the greatest chapters, that, that whole chapter is talking about short-term loss and long-term gain. I'm, holding, I'm about through. Short-term loss versus long-term gain. The very end of Luke chapter 16 is the story of the rich man Lazarus. I'm not going to go into all of that. But you know how the rich man fared sumptuously every day, had everything, had a lot of food, a lot of good clothing, and dressed in, you know, fine dress, dress stuff and all that kind of stuff. And poor old Lazarus just tried to Eat the crumbs. He had sores all over him. Dogs came and licked the sores. One of them was very rich. One of them was very poor. One of them was a servant. One of them was a master. But I don't care what you eat. I don't care how many sores you have. I don't care what kind of fine clothes you have. One of these days you're going to die. And what's so ironic about this? is that he is seeing the condition he's in in torment. And again, that's another old lesson. And he's asking Abraham to let Lazarus go 
and dip, finger in the water and coo, or, or the, no, go to over and tell them that, you know, about this. So they won't come to that bad place. He did ask for a drink of water. But... No, Abraham said this. They had the law and the prophet. Let them hear them. No. They won't listen to them. But if somebody come back from the dead, they would. And somebody did. Somebody did. And we still don't listen to him. Abraham said, son, remember that you had it good in this life. He had it even. I'm saying this. You were a master. He was a servant. And now you, rich man, are begging for some comfort. Short-term loss versus long-term gain. Think about that in being a servant. And then finally, I'm fixing to quit. I had 10 points, David. This is number 10. Usually I don't have one point, so I've, I've done really good. Again. First Samuel chapter 3. Story of Hannah and Samuel and how she had told that she was going to, you know, if God would just give her a son, she'd give him back. He goes and she presents him to Eli the next thing, you know. He's hearing voices. He thinks it's Eli. And it's not. And he goes over to Eli and says, you call? Notice what it said. He said, you go listen. It's going to be the voice of God. Here's what it says in verse 10. Speak, Lord, for thy servant here. Speak, Lord, for thy servant here. That ought to be on the hearts and minds of all of us. He says in what, Luke 6, 46 or something, I don't even, I don't even know. Uh, don't call me, why, why call you me? Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I have said. We can sit over here and we can sing praises to God, and we can, hallelujah and all this kind of stuff. But until we develop in our minds, in our mindset, an attitude of servant, of being a servant, we'll never be right with God. I hope you'll think about those things. Thank y'all for letting me come. I didn't know if I'd make it or get through this or not. And like I say, I'll do better the next time, hopefully. But thank y'all so much for letting us be here.